The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Water is the most precious resource on the planet. Yet water everywhere is contaminated. Originating from polluted sources, bottled water is transported across oceans and continents in potentially toxic plastic containers to consumers, while simultaneously contributing to the global crisis of pollution and carbon emissions. Recently, the World Health Organization released a study revealing 98% of all bottled waters contain microplastics. Greetings from your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight's special guests are Stephen and Kirsten Settlemeyer. Dr. Settlemeyer appeared twice on Sanitas Radio, so I highly recommend that if you haven't listened to those interviews that you do, we'll have both give us a short bio shortly. But before we begin, I want to share with you a short audio clip from our late friend and guest of this radio program, Jeff Harvey. Jeff passed away a few years ago, but it was him who brought Stephen Settlemeyer to my attention because of my interview with Dr. Jerry Pollack and the water he discussed, which is Divinia water. The water prolonged his life. Let's listen. You and I have been in communication, and you are not doing that well health-wise. In fact, I believe that even your doctors told you that your days were counted, and, and you called me and, and told me of the news, and we were very sad to hear, but all of a sudden something changed. And this is why I want you here today to let us know what you did to reverse course. Well, it was uh, pretty interesting because basically I had congestive heart failure. I was in end-stage kidney failure, and uh, things were not good. They gave me two or three days to live, and um, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to enjoy myself in my last few days, so... I ate a few things that I really wanted to eat before I went. I uh, called the uh, crematorium and I set up my uh, appointment for that and everything was all done. I was ready to go and I was okay with that. And then I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll put on a, one night I said I'll put on a, uh, a radio show and listen. Of course, it was uh, your radio show and um, you had Jerry Pollock on. And I'm listening, and in there he's discussing um, the fourth stage of water and how he knew a scientist who basically was using this water to reverse end-stage kidney failure. Of course, my ears perked up because this is what's killing me, and I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. So I had to get hold of you, so I, I called you, and you're the one who saved my life because you put me in touch with Jerry, and Jerry put me in touch with the scientist, 
And basically what happened was is he had one slot left for an output of his processor that puts out the material that actually reverses it. So without your input, I wouldn't be here today. And also, I recently almost lost someone very close to me. I contacted Stephen and Kirsten, and they were kind enough to send me water. As of right now, that person is close to me is getting much, much better. Homeostasis is the key. I can personally attest that this water works. I'd like to welcome Stephen Settlemeyer and Kirsten Landers Settlemeyer to Veritas. Hello and welcome. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Mel. Thank you for having us on your show. Hi, Mel. Thank you. We we appreciate being um, on this conversation with you. We're looking forward to um, discussing with you more about the water and what we've been up to over the past few years. Likewise, it's been many years, too many years since we last spoke. And I am so glad to see the evolution of Davinia Water because when we spoke first years ago, you were starting this, uh, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but it has evolved now and you have a 12,000 square foot facility. You have plans to expand throughout the United States distribution centers. First of all, for the people who may not know who you are, just give us a, a quick bio of all the things that you did in the past. And then we also like to talk to you, Kirsten. Well, part of my bio starts when I was 16 years old and got a National Science Foundation grant for Arctic and Alpine research, which uh, today, as we know, is global warming. Uh, but we started studying the Arctic climate back in 1966. And I, I just dug up that letter because I wanted to show my children. It says, uh, you're too young uh, for the normal people that we give grants to. Uh, however, if your parents could drive you to and from the University of Colorado and the Arctic Alpine Research Center, uh, we'll let you do it once you have permission from your parents. So that was before I could even drive myself legally. And, and it was terrific. It was studying the effects of global warming even back then, which it started back then. Um, then I worked for Martin Marietta when I was 15, 16 years old also. 17 years old, uh, in theoretical mathematics and spaceflight mechanics. Um, so I was doing theoretical math back when I was 16, 17 years old. Um, went to Colorado School of Mines, studied uh, physics, geophysics, computer science, uh, chemistry. Uh, the University of Colorado, I studied electronic engineering, and there's one more in there somewhere. Um, so then after I left Martin Marietta, when I was about 22, 23, I, I was a manager there. I started working on signboards or electronic instant replays in stadiums and arenas. And as part of that, uh, I sold that company to the Denver Nuggets and came up with what today is the foundation for the flat screen TV. So I was the first person to demonstrate that you can have a million pixels. Of course, now they're up at 4 million pixels, 8 million pixels. But I demonstrated that you could actually play and show and demonstrate a flat screen TV that could hang on the wall with four, with a million pixels. 
which is known as high-definition TV today. And as part of that, I also invented a laser projector. So most of the displays that you see around today, 99% of them probably are the basis of my technology. Uh, we got into a fight over that, of course, with um, the Japanese. A couple employees stole some of the technology and were trying to make some money off of it. And we got into a big federal fight over that, and it went through the federal courts and in front of Congress, actually. And after that was over, I left the company because I was kind of sick of the politics of it and did some more display development, design patent. Then I retired to um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona for a period of time where then I started working on this technology, which was for the cleaning of water. And somewhere in there I left out that I also um, helped design some of the electronics on the original Mars Viking lander and um, helped help design some of the displays on it or the the actual video recorders on it. Um, and I, I've done some other stuff for uh, the governments. I helped do some cockpits displays and uh, reprogrammable cockpit displays for F, the, the F-16 and some of the aircraft, too. Uh, I did the Olympics in 1976 for the display systems. Uh, had the big scoreboards in Montreal there, plus some of the laser displays. Um, so I, I, I've kind of done a varied amount of everything. And now I'm taking some courses, medical courses, uh, from Duke University, University of Michigan, Harvard, uh, to be able to catch up on some medical studies. I'm assuming that you're leaving the black ops part out? Yes, I am. Okay. And then, uh, of course, my daughter is... I'll let her speak for herself. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the biggest part of his biography. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, mine is, is obviously not as arrayed or um, as impressive as Stevens, but essentially the Divinia has been half of my life at this point. I went to um, a great school in, in Phoenix, Arizona, an all-girls school, which allowed me to then matriculate into university in Los Angeles. I went to Loyola Marymount University and studied entrepreneurship there. In fact, it was one of the first programs offered at universities for entrepreneurship. So that's what my degree is in, with the emphasis on communication. Graduated from university and um, came back to work with my family and develop this company. So the development of the technology is something I've seen, like I said, for approximately half my life. Started it when we were, when I was 16 or 17, actually. Then when I completed college, went back and, and started working with the family and um, and developed our, our company and the, and the technology, had a hand in some of the research and development, procuring investors, finding institutions for research and development and independent study of the water and the technology. So uh, it's it's just been something I've dedicated essentially my life to. So that's how I'm here. And, and now it's a, it's a whole family affair. I think since we spoke last or since Stephen has spoken to you last, the whole family is on board. My mom, 
my brother, my husband, and even my three-year-old daughter comes to work with <laughs> us here. So it's all of us. It's all hands on deck and we're, we're all here together and, and making a big concerted effort into growing this company and offering this water to as many people as possible. It couldn't be a more appropriate time to have this conversation because all we see in the news right now is plastics everywhere. And one thing that concerns me a lot, and this is becoming more mainstream lately, a lot of people didn't know this, microplastics. I mean, I'm not going to say here that we're spraying this from chemtrails, but something is falling even in the most remote lakes in the world where they're detecting microplastics. Is it because of what's falling from the sky in plastic rain, or is, is it something else? It's combined because... The microplastics, unfortunately, are coming from everywhere now. When you actually even wash your clothes, it's pulling off some of the plastic off of the clothes, the microplastics. And we're talking about micro or nanoplastics. We're talking about plastics that are less than the size of a hair. Um, and they're being washed out of the clothes and they're being drank by drinking bottled water and then you urinate hopefully you can get it out that way and so um, all the plastics that are in the ocean everything and then of course the updrift of the oceans and the lakes and the rivers when they start evaporating lift the particles up in the air and then they're suspended up there and then when it rains they attach to a, a piece of water and they come raining down. Also, I would think chemtrails are probably contributing. I've heard, I don't have first-hand experience, but I have heard from other scientists that there are microplastics in the chemtrail. So we're just inundated with it. When people burn trash, mm -hmm. it emits particles that are plastic that go up into the air. We're just inundated with it. And unfortunately, when it rains, and that microplastics come down, it covers everything, which means that all the animals are exposed to it, we're exposed to it, all the plants are exposed to it, all the trees are exposed to it. So all the animals that we're raising for food, when they get rain or there's rain that has occurred on the ground and they're standing in it or uh, their feet is in it or whatever the method that they're exposed to it, that they also now absorb in that plastic too. So our plants absorb the plastic, our animals absorb the plastic, we absorb the plastic. So it's just not raining. We have to understand it's the entire food chain now, mm -hmm. which means from the smallest animal to the largest animal to everything else in between. So we're just now consistently being bombarded by nanoplastics, period. I remember years ago when they found the Titanic. The one thing that the scientists were saying, they noticed that there was no plastic at all in the entire contents there. So ever since the plastic came along, can we say that this has been one of the worst things that has ever happened to the environment in our history as humans. Yeah, it's, you know, when when we start speaking about the unqualified 
results from knowing what's going to happen from a particular science. I reference nuclear energy right now. Nuclear energy on the surface seems great. The only problem is, is you have byproducts that live for 50,000, 100,000, half a million years. And we never took into consideration how we were going to dispose of those. So it was great to invent something, but the disposal of it was never thought of. Automobiles, when we came along and we invented automobiles, gasoline, it was a great saver of labor for humanity, allowed us to advance, allowed us to become more productive. The only problem is it spilled a lot of carbon monoxide out into the air, plus nitrates and a lot of other poisonous gases, which we've now had to deal with. And now we get to plastics coming along further. Plastics seem like a great idea. We wrap our food in it. We do everything in it with it. But there was never thought of how do you dispose of this? So we come along and we think about how do we produce something? Mm -hmm. We go down that line. But then how do you dispose of that? That's one of the reasons why we bottle our water in glass. And you go back and you look at 50,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, they were making utensils out of clay, would fire it, and that clay would turn into a glass substance, a ceramic. You know, and even the Romans 2,000 years ago, most of their vessels were either a ceramic or glass or pottery. And it was elements from the earth that returned the earth without being chemically or, or nuclear modified. And so it was easy to dispose of those products. Our glass bottles, you grind them up back into sand. They come from sand, they return to sand. Sand doesn't hurt human beings. Australia has a great program going on, New Zealand does too, where they have invented a machine so when you're done with your beer in the bar, you walk over, you throw it into the machine, it grinds it up back into sand again, and someone comes by, picks that sand up, and goes back and rebuild their beaches again. I mean, how cool is that? That sounds great. Uh, you know. Especially with all the erosion we're seeing all over the place. Yeah. I, I mean, the Arabs of you know, decided that they were going to build islands. And so they're scooping sand out of the ocean and have built islands with it. When when they get hit, they just rebuild it. Of course, they have enough sand on land to be able to do that too. But we don't. Look at how the the oceans are rising and the beaches are being deteriorated. We're starting to get more hurricanes now. The hurricanes are more extensive than ever before. And because of those, our beaches are being eroded. It would be nice to be able to rebuild those beaches naturally. And so uh, one of the considerations when we set out and we started working on our our water is how are we going to make sure that this is sustainable? And how do we make sure that things are, are natural and they're returned? So what we do is try, we try to take all the contaminants out that we can of the water, which is about 100% of it. And we bottle in a very pure 
type of bottle. And then we hand stamp the bottles with our label. We don't put... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.